Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, glad to have you along. And today is the Thursday of the 18th week in Ordinary Time. It's also the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major in Rome. In fact, there's a great little story that's up on the Relevant Radio website if you want to learn more about uh, why the Basilica is there, kind of the history behind it. So I highly recommend you go to the Relevant Radio website, relevantradio.com, or look that up through the Relevant Radio app. Today, as we begin the program, let me ask you, have you ever had to deal with pests? And I don't mean your in-laws. I don't mean a difficult neighbor. I mean, have you ever had to try and get rid of some sort of pest that comes into your house or your apartment? Like, have you dealt with some sort of bug or insect infestation, termites, something like that? Maybe mice or other rodents that found their way into your home? Well, my wife and I We've had a number of different rodent and insect issues in our different homes that we've owned through the years. Once we actually had yellow jackets that ended up making their uh, nest in one of the walls of our house, uh, we also had ants that made their way into our home a few different times. In our last house that we owned, we had these brown marmorated stink bugs that would show up in our, our bedrooms occasionally. And we even had a squirrel that found its way down into our basement a few years ago. But None of those are the worst pest problem that we ever faced. Now, when my wife, Baylen, and I, when we'd been married a few years, we bought our first home, and it was this little three-bedroom, one-bath home in Salem, Oregon. It was on the corner of this quiet little street, and it was a great starter home for us. It had rose bushes out in the front yard. It was close to stores and restaurants. Um, but after we'd been there a little over a year, we started seeing signs of rodent activity, specifically in our pantry. And the way that this house was set up, the main pantry section of the home was off in the laundry room, and this, this room was adjacent to the kitchen, but it had a regular door that we kept closed most of the time. And thankfully, that door meant that we only had that rodent activity in that one area, not in the main kitchen area. But boxes of pasta or rice or crackers or other food that were on those shelves there in the pantry, we started seeing that the corners were nibbled away. We knew that we had a problem with mice. At least we thought it was mice. Uh, that was until one day when we actually saw one of the culprits running away when we opened the door to our pantry. And it wasn't a mouse. It was actually a rat, a really big rat, too. And so at first we ended up trying some of the poison that you place out for a mouse or a rat to eat. You hope they take some of it. They go back to their nest. And you don't ever see them again. Problem over. But that didn't work for us. So we tried some other options and still didn't have much success. And we finally hired one of those insect and pest control services to come and try and help us get rid of our rat problem. And I want to also say here, 
we aren't a really messy family. You know, I mean, there might be some toys or books or something that, that are left out. Um, that's not that big of a deal for us. But my wife, Baylen, she is really quite particular about always keeping our kitchen clean. She wants, uh, you know, anytime after every meal, the food is put away, the dishes are washed, the, the counters are wiped off, floors swept. And I mentioned this simply to point out that we didn't have a bunch of old food, we didn't have dirty dishes left out that might invite rodent activity into our home, but those rats, they kept on getting into our pantry. Now, we found out later that it was the house behind us. That was the reason for all the rats. Baylen and I, one afternoon, uh, you know, months and months after we'd been dealing with all these rats, uh, we walked out for an afternoon walk. We walked out the door of our house. We turned the corner to go along the side of our yard. And there in front of that house that was directly behind our house, we saw this big official government van and people in hazmat suits are going in and out. There's yellow tape in front of it. And we caught one of the people coming out of the house in, these, in this hazmat suit and said, is everything okay here? And it turned out that the person living in that, that home they were a hoarder, and not just a hoarder, they threw any of their trash just on the floor. And they'd been doing this for so long that the garbage had piled up about waist high in this house, and every room of the house, with only narrow paths to get through the garbage to the other areas in the house. And so this worker that we're talking to said, I'd never seen anything like it. So... Once that was cleaned up, very quickly after that, our rat problem disappeared. But when we were still dealing with those rats, you know, we had that pest control service come and visit our home. And the, the exterminator said, the problem with rats is that they're really quite smart. They learn and they remember. So if you place that poison out for them, they might only try a tiny bit. They won't eat a lot and get full. And if it makes them sick, but it doesn't kill them, they know, well, I don't want to eat that again. So the best two options were either sticky traps, these really, really sticky, like uh, just upgraded flypaper kind of trap that you could put on the floor, and then the classic spring-loaded trap, that traditional trap that you've probably seen like the, the mouse trap. Well, for a rat, imagine it about three, maybe four times as big, and that spring-loaded mechanism is much larger and much stronger. And like the exterminator said, those rats were smart. They would set off those loaded traps without ever getting caught in them. And so I'd have to go and reset those traps periodically. And one time when I was in our pantry, I'm kneeling down and I'm resetting one of those traps. And Belen and our daughter, Caden, she's our older daughter, they were standing a few feet behind me. And they were watching as I pulled back the metal arm of the trap. I started to set it again. Cadence was maybe about three years old at this point. But as I'm setting this trap and I didn't get it quite right, it snapped back and the snap really loud there in the washroom, the pantry area. And Cadence and Baylen, both behind me, they jump a little bit. And thankfully, my reflexes were quick enough that I jerked my hand out of the way and let the, the, the sprung trap just fall to the floor. Now, if my finger had been in there caught in the trap, I'm sure it would have broken from the force of the trap snapping shut. And I was a little startled. But I didn't say anything. I just picked up the trap and I quietly started to reset it. And Baylen told me later that afternoon, she said that right after that trap snapped shut and she and Cadence had jumped at the sudden loud noise there, that snapping noise. But when I just quietly picked it up and I kept on working to reset it, get it back in working order, Cadence had then turned to her mother and she whispered something. Now in our house, uh, the kids call me and they call Baylen their mama and their papa. We're not dad or mom, we're mama and papa. And so Cadence turns and she whispers over, watching after that moment, she says to Baylen, 
Papa's not afraid of anything. That loud snapping noise didn't scare me. Baylan thought that was such a classic little kid response. Your mother or your father, they can do anything. They're not scared of anything, right? And you know, even as adults, we might sometimes think that those who are in roles of authority or responsibility, they can do anything or they have everything figured out. Kind of similar to that small child thinking that their parent can do anything. We might have the same notion that that person in that leadership role They don't need anything from anyone else. They can do it all on their own. But of course, that's not true. Most leaders, especially the successful ones, they rely on the help and the guidance from others. And today, we want to spend this hour of the inner life talking about how we can offer our help to those in those leadership roles in the church. We want to talk about how our prayers for the Pope, for our bishops, for our priests, those prayers are so essential And helping us do this today, one of our regular spiritual directors here on The Inner Life, Father Ethan Southard. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor of St. John Ude's Church in Chatworth, California. And uh, Father Ethan, so glad to have you back here on the program today. Have you ever had to deal with rats uh, in any place that you've ever lived? (laughs) Just myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I still have to deal with myself. Um, but thank you, Josh. It's great to be uh, with you all here on, on the inner life. And um, yeah, that, what a what a <laughs> a crazy situation uh, that you shared. Um, but it just sounds like you have such a, a beautiful family that's there to uh, to support and and to go through the journey with. And um, like your daughter was was just sharing, she says, you know, Papa's not afraid of anything. <laughs> Uh, that's that's so beautiful. Yeah, well, three years old, that's beautiful. I, I don't think she'd have the same sentiment now. She's uh, 21 going on 22 here shortly, so she'd probably say, no, my father, he really, really doesn't like uh, wasps or yellow jackets or hornets. Uh, that's the one thing, yeah. you know, that I, like Indiana Jones doesn't doesn't like snakes. Well, my snake is, uh, <laughs> it's definitely the yellow jackets or hornets. Uh, so. Oh, man, you know, I've got a friend she she's afraid of snakes and and there was one time uh we were there was a group of us we were going to uh down to hollywood boulevard um you know there's a lot of transients and uh all kinds of activity uh happening on the boulevard and so we were going to go down and just visit with some people and you know bring some sandwiches and just you know uh just mix it up a little bit and so as as we were going down she was praying the rosary and she started to get into this this kind of mystical contemplative rosary and she started getting this image you know she was just imagining herself as a little girl and she's terrified of snakes but she and she doesn't swim she's terrified of swimming and so she found herself at the edge of this pool but the pool was filled with snakes it was the pool was empty of water but it was filled with snakes and so you know she goes running in this image that she has. She goes running and she does a cannonball into the oh, snake. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so as it turns out, you know, I think, you know, uh, just looking back on it, she, she felt that God was spiritually preparing her for that evening because what ended up happening later that evening as a group was, you know, going out walking on, on the streets in Hollywood Boulevard, you know, she met this this woman who was, Half naked, naked from the waist down, complete, you know, naked in the street, Hollywood Boulevard, and she was just sitting there with, you know, the bus lane where there is traffic. And so my friend walks by and she says, you know, uh, you know, it's not safe for you to be there. Why don't you come? And the woman just looks at her like, 
you know, get away from me, leave me alone. And this is a busy Saturday night in Hollywood, and there's just traffic everywhere. So my friend realizes that this woman is not moving and that there's no talking any sense into her. So what she decides to do, we had, you know, some supplies for, for the people on the streets. She had a little blanket. She takes the blanket. She sits down next to this woman in the street, and she covers her. And she says, well, that's okay. She says, if you're not going to get up, she says, do you mind if I sit down and join you? And so the woman looked at her like she was crazy. And then she got up and she got out of the road. <laughs> so, you know, uh, just that idea that uh, whatever whatever is there that we're afraid of, whether it's it's rats or I do have a wasp problem, to be honest, whether it's wasps <laughs> so you and I or share snakes. That. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when you said wasps, that resonated. You know, whatever whatever there is that we might be afraid of, um, you know, God's own spirit, you know, he comes to be with us and he actually, move, he can move us to go to those places where we're terrified to go. And he says, you know, it's actually okay. I'm I'm here with you. It, it's not that scary. Mm-hmm. Come on in. The water's fine. Right. Uh, that's that's a beautiful story, Father. Thank you for sharing that. Well, today, sure. uh, as we look ahead at our gospel reading that we're going to hear at Mass, and it comes from the 16th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, and as uh, my producer here, Nick, and I were kind of talking about that, we said, you know, it's really remarkable in this reading, we hear how at the beginning Peter makes his declaration of Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And responding to this, then, it's this kind of familiar passage for most Catholics where Jesus gives Peter his new name, Rock. Mm. And he says, on this rock I will build my church. He makes Peter the caretaker, the steward of the church. He gives him the keys of the kingdom. And he tells him that you'll have this special authority of binding, of loosing. And then directly after this, the reading continues. That's not the end of the reading that we hear today at Mass. And Jesus, he starts talking about how he's eventually going to suffer and die. And Peter, he says, no, I would never let anything like this happen to you, Jesus. Um, And then Jesus responds with some very strong words. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're an obstacle to me. You're not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. And this is such a dramatic change that we hear Peter going from being given the keys of the kingdom, being the caretaker on earth of the church, but then three sentences later in this reading, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan, directly to Peter. So I think there's a lot that we can take away from this gospel reading, but what stands out to you the most in these two exchanges between Jesus and Peter, especially as we are going to look today about, uh, you know, how we can really support and pray for our, our Pope, our bishops, our priests? What stands out to you in this reading? Mm. Well, uh, thank you, Josh. Yeah, it's it's just a powerful reading, um, and it, it what comes to mind for me is is just the inner life. Um, you know, the inner life of Jesus, you know, even before this gospel, we hear, you know, Jesus spending time in prayer. And so he was spending that time in prayer with his heavenly father so that he was actually able to hear the voice of his father. He knew the voice of his father so much. You know, Jesus in his humanity, he would spend that time in prayer with his heavenly father. And he would he would just come into into such a deep union that he could recognize the voice of his father coming up within other people. 
And so then when he heard that voice of his heavenly father coming up in Simon, he says, whoa, he says, you're Peter. He says, this is the one. He says, I was getting this in prayer. You know, I'm, I'm hearing you being in union, the voice of my father coming up within you, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. So upon this rock, this union, you know, that's what Jesus is building the church on. It's that union of the father the rock of the Father, that relationship, that inner life. And so he knew that, and he wants to continue to draw that out of Peter. Peter didn't hear it. Peter's just talking. He didn't, he didn't necessarily recognize that, because, like you said, Josh, you know, not too long after, there was another voice that started to come through. And Jesus could recognize that that voice wasn't his Father. He wasn't going to build his church on that voice, but he, Jesus continued to draw out the, the voice of the Father, that relationship within Peter, within all of us. And he's doing it because of Jesus' own inner life. And so he says later on to Peter, he says, Peter, you know, this is when in the agony in the garden, he says, Peter, he says, trust me, we're going to go through a rough night. You know, where you didn't want to go before, <laughs> Peter made it very clear just here, he didn't want to go to Jerusalem, he didn't want to go to the cross. And Jesus says, we're going to go there. He says, you need to spend this time in prayer with me tonight. He says, you're sleeping now. Wake up. Come on. We need to spend this time. So that's what I'm, I'm getting from this scripture is how we all, all of us are being called, like you're saying, you know, uh, Josh, to that prayer, prayer for the Pope, the bishops, the priests, for our church, so that as we start to spend that time in prayer, that inner life within us, that inner relationship with our Heavenly Father starts to become stronger. It's being drawn out. And then we actually could help to draw that out within others who may not recognize the voice of the Father within them. Mm. I, I like that. You know, and that union with the Father that you're talking about there, um, you know, that's also, I think, a good lesson from this. Regardless of how much God may entrust to us, you know, whatever the the vocation that we're called to is, we always need to keep our pride in check. We, we need to make sure that we're not letting our own wants, our own desires, things that we think we might need, get in the way of what God really wants, what His desires are. Mm, uh, for sure. And, and that's a tough one, you know. And, you know, St. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. That sounds great. I mean, you could say that, and it, it sounds, oh, yes, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. But for, for that to actually happen, you know, there there has to be that death to my own desires, that death to my wants, that death right. to, you know, whatever it is that I, my will, you know, and, and it's an agony that, that Jesus can relate with. He says, not my will, but your will be done. And it's, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't feel good. And so we actually start to live that out in our own life. And it's, you know, it's, it could be annoying. It could be as annoying as, you know, rats <laughs> nibbling on the sides right. of our cereal boxes. It's just, you know, those, those things that just annoy us and that it is, it's a letting go and it's a surrender to. Well, and it can be a struggle greater. too, because, you know, as you're talking about St. Paul saying, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and through me. Uh, that's the same Paul who ends up writing in his letter to the Romans that, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, 
I don't do them and I end up hurting the ones that I love, you know? So there is that struggle there that Mm -hmm. it's going to be for each one of us. It's, uh, I'm, you know, it's taking me back to where take up our cross and not just take up our cross and follow Christ, but take up our cross daily. There's got to be that daily exercise of handing over, like you say, thy will be done, not mine. Mm, Exactly. It's day to day. And, you know, what we hear Peter going through, um, you know, this is actually one of my, my favorite exchanges because it's a reminder of how how quickly, you know, I could slip. Right. You know, I could I could think I'm so, you know, I've got it, I figured it out, well, I'm a priest or, you know, I'm, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, I'm settled and here I am. And, and that's when, you know, St. Peter later on, he says, you know, the, the devil's prowling like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He says, be be on guard, be aware, stay alert. And so that so that's an invitation for all of us to stay alert. Um, you know, and in Peter's humility, you know, he, again, later on, you know, he, he would deny Jesus, you know, three times. And, you know, Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? Yes, you know I love you. <laughs> okay, well, if you love me, then, then take up my cross daily. You know, you have to stay. You know, it's a continual, it's a continual dying. You know, it, it's that life of Christ continually dying within us so that the life of Christ would continue to rise and be manifest. And so we're never there. We, we can never just plant the flag and said, I made it. Right. No, it's, it's a continual spiritual life. It, it's a way of life. Uh, our spiritual director today, Father Ethan Southard, and Father Ethan, um, uh, coming up in just a moment, let's go ahead and talk about ways that we can pray for those in that leadership role in our church. And uh, what prayers do you offer for your local parish priest, for the other priests that maybe you do know, for your bishop, for the Holy Father? Have you supported the clergy in your area, maybe in other ways? Is there a pope who has inspired you in your faith? Maybe a bishop or a priest that's encouraged you in your spiritual journey. We'd love to hear from you. You can call in right now. Our studio lines are open at 888-914-9149, And more to come here on The Inner Life right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director for this hour, Father Ethan Southard. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, the pastor of St. John Hughes Church in Chatsworth, California. And today we're talking about praying for the Pope, praying for our bishops, our priests, and how we can help them by our prayers. Uh, Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And how 
how have you in your life incorporated that prayer for your local parish priest, for other priests that you might know, for your bishop, for uh, the Holy Father? How have you incorporated that into your life? 888-914-9149. And uh, Father Ethan, let's talk for just a moment about the role of the Pope. You know, the Pope has a few different titles. Sometimes we call him the Holy Father. Other times we might refer to him as the Bishop of Rome, the Vicar of Christ. There are these different titles. Can you all help us understand uh, the role of the Pope, the different uh, titles that we do have for him and what they mean? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, Pope Francis has, has put um, uh, an emphasis, he's, he's continued to, to highlight again that he is the Bishop of Rome, um, and so he's um, just highlighting kind of that synodality, or just that um, that he's he's a brother bishop with the other bishops of of the world. And so there's what's called the College of Bishops, and so those are the direct successors to to the apostles, the, the twelve apostles. And so you know all of the priests can can trace their ordination, you know, all the way back to Jesus. Jesus. You know, made the apostles. He he gave you know bestowed uh, you know the ordination upon those apostles, and it's continued to pass down through the ages. And so uh, Pope Francis is just continuing to highlight that you know he is a, a successor of of Peter as the bishop of Rome, and as the the bishop of Rome, um, there's what they call the the primacy uh, of the bishop of Rome, and so that's. Um, as we just heard in, in the gospel today, you know, Jesus gave him the, the keys of heaven and the powers to bind and to loose. Uh, and so he named him that he would be the rock upon which the church would be built. Um, and so, you know, really that's, it's, it's just to help to bring about the unity. So he's known as the Bishop of Rome. He's known as um, the, the Roman uh, pontiff or the sovereign pontiff. Um, but as the Bishop of Rome, he is the head of, of the, the worldwide Catholic Church. Um, so he's a, he's a religious figure, but he's also um, the head of state of the Vatican City State. And so in addition to you know, his role as interacting with uh, the other bishops throughout the whole church, throughout the whole world, um, Pope Francis also interacts, or the, or the Pope, whoever the Pope may be, interacts with <clears throat> those heads of states as well. And so there's a uh, kind of a, a dual role that the Pope holds, both within the Church, but then he's also, you know, bringing out and representing the Church uh, to the world. So now for us here in the U.S., him being, as you say, the primacy of that role of the Bishop of Rome, kind of the, the chief among equals of the mm-hmm. bishops there— what do you think are some of the most important ways that the Pope should impact our individual lives as Catholics living here in the U.S.? Um, what are ways that we can connect ourselves to the Holy Father? Mm. Uh, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think um, you know, I, for for me, you know, the Pope is is really um, such an inspiration. Um, where I, I think the the Pope could be that that visible figure, you know, that representative. He's he's a global figure, uh, and so 
uh, and he's leading the church. And so for us here in the U.S., you know, he's an inspiration because he's representing the whole church. He's representing Christ. And so, you know, in, in that unique role, you know, how he could inspire me here in the U.S. is that he helps me to look beyond myself or look beyond, you know, even, even my own country to the reality that there's a church in Africa or that there's a church in Asia or that, there, that there's still a church in the Middle East. And Pope Francis has recently just really been highlighting, you know, our need to pray for Lebanon and, and just the, you know, the pain that's, that's going on there. Um, so we, we, we really do start to see that universality of, um, of the church, you know, through the figurehead of the Pope. Um, and, you know, he, you know, Haiti has been going through a difficult time. He's, he's right. been praying for Haiti or, or, you know, the, the church in China or, you know, throughout the whole world. And yeah. so sometimes it's so easy for me, you know, even here in Chatsworth, <laughs> you know, there, I think there's there's over 280 parishes here in Los Angeles, in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. It's so easy for me, Josh, to get so consumed by my day-to-day responsibility. Um, and I just focus in on the parish of St. John Eudes here in Chatsworth. Um, and, I, and I don't even really forget or I don't even really think about some of the other churches that are in my own archdiocese, let <laughs> alone yeah. what's happening in Peru or Argentina or anywhere else. And so, and then I hear Pope Francis and he's, you know, he's saying, Hey, let's pray for, you know, so-and-so. And it's, Oh, that's right. The church is bigger than me. <laughs> well, so that's, that's one of the ways that uh, he inspires me. Well, and let's, let's talk about the church being bigger than me or you or any one of us. Also in the context of uh, the spiritual realm that we deal with, because any man who has answered that vocation of being a priest, uh, you know, Father, they're going to be targeted in a very direct way for spiritual attacks. And I think especially more in the last 5, 10, maybe 15 years, we might not talk as much about spiritual warfare as we did in past years, past decades. So can we spend a few minutes just talking about that spiritual reality that surrounds us, the fact that priests, bishops, the Pope, they absolutely need our prayers because the Church is bigger than ourselves. You know, I mean, we we always talk about the fact that the Church, you know, there's the Church triumphant that we have uh, in heaven, the Church militant that is us here on earth that are here, you know, hoping to be saints there one day, and there's the Church suffering. But there's also the the spiritual side that is against us that is trying to bring us down constantly and again anybody who's in that role of a priest or a bishop they're going to have even more of that to deal with sure and yeah there is the the uh, the spiritual dimension and and that reality and you know pope francis has, has spoken about it quite a bit i mean he continually speaks about uh, Satan, you know, about the devil, that there's an enemy and that there's a spiritual battle. Um, and I, I really do feel that whenever there's, uh, so in that spiritual dimension, um, you know, there are strongholds where there's demonic strongholds or there's darkness that's that's holding on to things. You know, the 
um, the devil is, you know, the the prince of of darkness. And so, whenever the the gospel, whenever the kingdom of God is actually starting to advance on that kingdom of darkness, then uh, there could be some sort of um, uh, disturbance and and some sort of backlash or reaction. And so, what could seem like it's a very um, um, troublesome thing where we see all this activity on on one level, we could start to think, oh my gosh, this is horrible, this is so bad, look at all these bad things happening. But actually, I think it, it's a representation that there's a lot of really beautiful things happening. If there was no disturbance and we were just sliding into darkness, the devil wouldn't make a big deal. He'd say, oh, great. He says, yeah, everything's fine. We're we're peaceful. Let's just be be calm and be quiet, and and he has no reason to disturb what's happening. But if the kingdom of of God is actually advancing into that kingdom of darkness, the devil's going to start whipping stuff up and making a lot of noise and banging the the pots and pans, and he's just going to try to distract us and get us all upset, so that we we actually lose focus. So the fact that we start to see all of these manifestations or or all this, you know, trouble or things like that, I th- I think it's actually, you know, a, a clue to us that there's a lot of really beautiful things happening in the kingdom of God. Hmm. So now that being said, you know, it, there is a reality if if um, there's a a, do- a barking dog like uh, Saint Padre Pio says, he says, don't get too close to that that dog. It's on a chain. It's not going to be able to get you. It's not going to be able to bite you. But if you go up to it, it will. So, you know, we don't want to be careless. You know, we don't want, you know, like we were talking about earlier, St. Peter says, you know, stay alert. You know, be careful. The, The devil's prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't go into his path. But just know that he's roaring. He's upset because the kingdom of God is at hand. And so the invitation for us is just to continue, you know, in in our prayer, allowing, you know, that inner life, that union with the Heavenly Father to be lived. And and then when we see others, you know, to allow that to start coming up within the others. So that's that, um, you know, that's that spiritual reality. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also important to remember, you know, even though... If we are trying to follow God's leading, if we're trying to do that work that God has called us to, to make a difference in whatever way, and it might be in some big way, you know, that you're doing work with a public ministry, with an apostolate, you're helping those in need in your community, you know, things that people actively see. Or it might just be that you are called to raise your children in the best possible way and help them to be uh, just great Catholic people as they grow up that can impact the people in their workplace and their future families for good. Whatever that is, we can't get discouraged when we have that difficulty, when we face that kind of spiritual warfare or oppression, um, you know, because as St. John reminds us in his first letter that he writes, greater is he that it is in us than he that is in the world. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right, you know, God has already won the battle. 
and he's just, you know, wanting, he's, he's waiting for that battle that's been won to actually start to come up within each of us, for us to receive the inheritance that he's giving us. He's won the battle. He's won, a, he's won the victory. He's giving us his spirit. He says, this is the, the answer key. This is your strength. This is how, you know, you're, you're to, to make it through. You know, just allow me to carry you through. Allow me to give you the strength. Here's my spirit. And so that, um, you know, that frustration. He also says, you know, my, take my yoke. My yoke is, is, is light and easy. He said, give me your burden. Don't, don't start doing all these things that I'm not asking you to do. Don't burden yourself. <laughs> he says, my yoke is easy and, and my burden is light. So he says, let me carry you through. Don't make it too hard on yourself. Pope Francis yesterday, you know, he was um, in the hospital for a while, and, and so he's back to giving his general audience. And that's one of the roles that he has. You know, he has the roles with the bishops, and he writes letters and, you know, teaches the faithful. But he has these beautiful general audiences, which are usually weekly. And he'll come out and he'll give a little teaching, and so he's been sharing about uh, the letter to Galatians uh, recently, and so um, and then he'll say a little prayer. But I, I thought this prayer that he said yesterday was just so beautiful. He says, "Let us pray for the church that she may receive from the Holy Spirit the grace and strength to reform herself in the light of the gospel." Hmm. I'm going to pray this again. Let us pray for the church that she may receive from the Holy Spirit the grace and strength to reform herself in the light of the gospel. And so there's you know, just that invitation uh, where he's praying uh, at the end of the audience. He, he's inviting us. We're praying for the church that that's us. We're part of the church. Um, that that we're being that our lives are being reformed. So there's a personal invitation that we have, and we and we do. We should be praying for the Pope and the, the priests and the bishops. But like you're saying, Josh, we all have we're all part of the church. We all have that responsibility, whether we're a mother or a father or a student. So let me pray for my life to be reformed, and the the grace and the strength to do that. And so that, and it's the Holy Spirit that's helping to, um, to to reform us as the church in light of the gospel. Yeah. Well, and like I love you that said, it's not my will; it's it's God's will; it's it's His gospel. Right. And and that's the part that really stood out to me there too. You know, I mean, in light of the gospel, who is the light of the gospel? What is the light of the world? It's Jesus Christ Himself. You know, the, the Holy Spirit comes to us through. Jesus, through his atonement, you know, tearing down that veil that had separated uh, the Holy of Holies so that we could come directly to the Father. That's beautiful, Father. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life is Father Ethan Southard, and we're talking about praying for the Pope, praying for our bishops, our priests, and how do you do that in your own life? If you pray a rosary, 
That's one of the things that uh, we do every day. You know, we start off with those opening prayers. There's the Apostles' Creed, and then that very first Our Father that we pray on that opening bead there. You know, pray for the, the Pope, for the Pope's intentions. And do you do that in your life? How, what other ways do you pray for the Holy Father? Pray for your bishop, pray for your parish priest or other priests that you know. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, We'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Thanks for joining us here on this Thursday edition of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southerd, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Today, talking about praying for our Pope, praying for our bishops, praying for the priests that we know, especially those that are serving in the parish that we attend. And how do you do that in your own life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe there's a pope who has inspired you in your faith, or a bishop or a priest that has encouraged you in your spiritual journey. And we'd love to hear how that has taken place and how you try and show your support for them, maybe in other ways, but also especially in your prayers. 888-914-9149. And Father Ethan, uh, let's talk about just some practical ways that we can really show our love, our affection for the Pope, for our own bishop, for um, you know our parish priest, uh, and especially, is there any sort of um, theme for our prayer that you would recommend that really, you, you as a parish priest, you would really appreciate, you know, knowing that people are praying for you in a certain way for certain mm-hmm. things, certain needs that you have as a, a priest? Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, that's great, Josh. Um, you know, some of the just real powerful, touching uh, ways that I've um, received prayer, it's just you know, sometimes there's a spiritual bouquet of of rosaries where, you know, some parishioners for a birthday or an anniversary or something, you know, they would um, offer so many rosaries. And, and just to know that there are people that are, are praying where there could be a novena of masses that have been offered, you know, for our intentions. Um, in Just as it relates to the Pope or, or the bishop, um, you know, in the Mass, the priest, in the Eucharistic prayer, at every Mass, the, the priest prays for the Pope and for his bishop. Right. Uh, and so just just that union, you know, here it is, it's the, the centrality of our, our faith, you know, the Eucharist, um, the source and the summit. Um, right in the heart of that, we're, we're praying for um, the Pope, and, and we're praying for our bishop, and just that union, um, so I think as as the faithful, as, as we go to Mass, we're really just entering into that prayer. I think that's the most beautiful, most powerful prayer um, that we could we could be offering uh, and participating in. It's it's the prayer of Jesus himself, uh, that sacrifice of Christ. But, you know, speaking of sacrifices, it could be, you know, other sacrifices where, 
you know, we've got a Starbucks right across the street. I go to the Starbucks. Um, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, we offer up a, a coffee, you know, one one Starbucks coffee a week or, you know, we don't drink coffee for however long or whatever those little things may be where we give up that chocolate for the day. And we could offer it. We could say, you know, I'm going to pray for Pope Francis. I'm going to pray for, you know, my bishop. Um, I'm not going to have chocolate for today. And then it reminds you, wow, I'm sacrificing because I, out of love, um, because I, I love for them or my parish priest, my pastor. You know, I'm a, I know my pastor is going through a tough time. Another another way that it, it could be just, you know, a, a prayer could just be a little card. You know, there's one of our parishioners every once in a while, he'll just, and there's others, but there's one gentleman in particular I'm thinking of, you know, he'll just send me a card. It's just, hey, I'm thinking of you, Father, that was a great homily, or, you know, I know it's been a tough time with, with the pandemic, you're doing a great job. You know, those little little encouragements along the way, um, it's just like a little shot in the arm. It's just, hey, that's thank you, you're thinking yeah. of me. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Father Ethan, let's go to the phones. We've got Francis, who's listening in California. Hi, Francis. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Good morning, um, Father. So, yes, so um, I do include Pope Francis and all the good holy Catholic priests and nuns in my prayers. I always pray for them for their well-being and continue um, love for us. And not only that, I also pray for, you know, priests who suffer with sadness, loneliness, and temptation, and addiction. I always pray for them as well during my rosary. But if it wasn't for Pope Francis, I think um, when he would mention at the end of any homily or any of his um, um, times of speaking, he'll say, please pray for me. And that opened my eyes where I thought, you know, forgive me, I thought he was, you know, I had the impression that he was a super holy, holy, holy man. But it just made me realize, you know, sometimes... You know, we're all human, and including Pope Francis, for him to say, please pray for me, that means he's being tempted and he's being attacked as as us, but we don't see it. And so I do pray for him, um, constantly for him, to continue to um, proclaim the, the gospel truth to all of us. And, and I just, I'm just, if it wasn't for Revelant Radio as well, I would, you know, I would never have included our Pope Francis, our priests and nuns, and all the good holy Catholic people, and and for the people who suffer and, and who who sometimes you know fail. So it's it's not you know, but it's it's a, it's a beautiful prayer that I do. So. Wow, thank you, Francis. That's um, and and I love your name, uh, Francis, um, and that's such a, a beautiful reminder and and the humility, you know. Please pray for me. Something so simple, but um, it's an invitation into uh, relationship. There's a, there's a, a certain vulnerability there. Please pray for me. I'm not perfect. I need your help. So thank you uh, for responding to that and and for just your your openness. Yeah, and also, Father, I really liked how Francis talked about you know priests that are dealing with sadness, depression, maybe addiction. You know that, like you're saying. There's those things that they struggle with, too. It might not be something that we see, you know, if we're going to Mass on Sundays, but uh, everybody has those different things that they deal with in their own personal life. So those prayers, I know, are so appreciated. Uh, Father, let's go to Ingrid. She's listening in Front Royal, Virginia. Hi, Ingrid. Welcome to The Inner Life Today. You're on the air with Father Ethan. And hey, yes, Father, thank you. I want to let you know, and I'm one of the women in our parish uh, started... It's called Seven Sisters Apostolate, 
and they have a website, and each person that's joined that apostolate, we are assigned a day and a priest, and we spend a holy hour that day specifically praying only for that priest and his needs. So that's mm-hmm. something any you know group of women could start. They could go to the website and find out about it, and that's just something a number of us have committed to, to support our priests. Wow, that's wonderful, Ingrid. And and yes, what a beautiful way, you know, you're gathering around prayer. You're gathering with, with the other women there to, to pray and, and to be mindful of, um, um, you know, the priests in your parish or your diocese. And, and so you continue to stay united and, and to lift them up. That's really powerful. Um, I remember I was going through a difficult time, and I know there is a, a prayer chain um, that had gone out with a number of, of um my my mom's and my aunt's friends and and uh, people that they work with and and I could feel the prayer I could feel them all of that intercession I could feel that so that's so powerful. Thanks for the call, Ingrid. Father, uh, you know we're we're getting really short on time here, but again, uh, just kind of looking ahead to what we can do in the coming days, coming weeks in our own prayer life. Is there anything else that you might recommend for somebody if they say, well, especially maybe if they have a difficult time, you know, maybe there's a disagreement with their Mm. parish priest. How can they kind of get beyond those feelings but still be able to have that sincere prayer that they're offering up? Sure. That's a reality of our our life (laughs) is that we... You know, there are going to be disagreements or there's going to be people that are difficult. Um, there is, I was just sharing with a friend and, and he said, you know, if we can't be with the imperfect ones, who are we going to be with? If we can't be with the imperfect ones, who are we going to be with? So I think it's just that invitation to that humility that, yes, maybe your parish priest or maybe the bishop or the pope or your spouse, maybe they're not perfect. Actually, I can guarantee you they're not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. So if, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty if, easy guarantee, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So just that humility, you know, like we were just hearing, you know, the pope say, please pray for me. You know, if we can't be with the imperfect ones, who are we going to be with? And then just as we were sharing, you know, this, this other... Uh, Invitation to humility came to mind. Can I be wrong even if I'm right? So that's a question maybe we can take with ourselves. Can I be wrong even if I'm right? So, you know, even if what I, I see and what I'm saying is correct, can my attitude or my approach be wrong? Yeah. And and so it's just an invitation to, you know, yes, maybe this person's imperfect. Maybe they're wrong. Um, but I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to pray for myself that I have the grace to be patient and to be kind and to be loving, too. Father Ethan, we've only got about 10 seconds left here. Can I ask you for a blessing for all of our listeners? Sure. Uh, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And 
May God give us the grace to pray for the church that she may receive from the Holy Spirit the grace and strength to reform herself in the light of the gospel. May God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Ethan Southard, our spiritual director. I also want to say hi to a bunch of different co-workers, associates, colleagues that stopped by to say hello here, and especially thanks to Dana Sanderson. She's completing her summer internship with us next week, so glad to have everybody stop by and say hello. Hope you stay tuned. We've got Holy Mass that's coming up next with Father Edward Looney. Have a blessed afternoon.